Chapter 17, Deep Blue Waters. Harold remained in Launceston in 1936, moving the tent mission to another part of Launceston. His assistant was brother PJ Wright. Of the children, only Phyllis and Jack now lived at home. Phyllis helped Harold set the printing stamp each week and then helped print hundreds of the current evangelistic address. These were distributed for the duration of the mission so that those who did not attend the mission were able to follow the subjects presented. Phyllis decorated the tent with flowers, welcomed people at the entrance and handed out songbooks while Harold led out in the song service. Afterwards, while Harold shook hands at the entrance, Phyllis took down the charts and began to clean up. When all was ready for the next meeting, Harold and Phyllis said goodbye to Brother Wright and travelled home by tram to Basin Road. On March 5, 1936, Eric married Mary Gray at Quakers Hill outside Sydney. Pastor J.W. Kent officiated. Harold and Anne were not able to attend the wedding. Once the mission commenced, it was not possible for Harold to get away. In September, Harold travelled to Melbourne for the Australasian Conference session, but was not able to attend Winifred's wedding on October 7 to Percy Allen in the Stanmore Church in Sydney. It was very disappointing, but the family were used to sacrifices for a greater good. Percy Allen's father was the late Pastor John Allen, a well-respected pioneer worker in Australia. By the time of her wedding, Winifred had worked for some years as an accountant for the Sanitarium Health Food Company. On holidays, she generally visited her parents wherever they lived. Pastor Len Minchin, who was at Avondale College with Percy Allen, married Percy and Winifred. On the first weekend in February 1937, Harold travelled to King Island and Bass Strait. Harold's assistant in Launceston, brother PJ Wright, had been there for several months and had mapped out an itinerary for Harold's three-day visit. Harold was to conduct six meetings, visit a number of people with whom brother Wright had been studying the Bible and conduct baptisms. King Island is roughly midway between Tasmania and Victoria. It's about 45 miles long and 15 miles wide. Exposed to the strong winds that buffet Bass Strait, King Island was initially used for raising fat cattle, but had become renowned for its dairy industry. There were four butter and six cheese factories on the island. When Brother Wright arrived, there were five Sabbath keepers on the island. He set off on his bicycle to visit them and discovered that the interest on the island had decidedly cooled in recent months. The resident minister attacked the young heretic from his pulpit and refused to see him. Despite the opposition, seven people had made a decision to be baptised. Thus it was that at 11 o'clock on Sabbath morning, February 6, 16 people were assembled on the sandy seashore of Outer Curry Harbour for the most important of Harold's meetings, the baptism. The weather had been unsettled for the previous week and conditions were anything but favourable for an open-air baptism. But in answer to their prayers, God granted ideal weather. Brother Wright described the occasion. After listening to Pastor Harker's short but inspiring address in which he dealt with the responsibilities and privileges of belonging to the family of God, the candidates prepared themselves for baptism in a shelter erected on the beach a couple of days previously. Meanwhile, Pastor Harker had entered the deep blue waters and then with skies overhead for a canopy, the surf dashing and foaming over the rocks outside the harbour entrance and the sandy beach and green hills behind for background, 
there was an act of the scene which must have been witnessed many times around the shore of the Sea of Galilee. First, a husband and wife entered the water together, and thereafter, with Christian dignity, the other candidates followed. Surely the angelic host rejoiced at the simple yet inspiring sight. Brother Wright continued his account of Harold's visit. Through physical infirmity, one of our good brothers was unable to be present. But the day following, a private baptism was performed at his home. Previous to the baptism, at his request, we held a very solemn service at which our brother was anointed in accordance with the instruction given in God's word. And we earnestly sought God, asking that if it be according to his will, our brother should be raised to health and strength to glorify his maker and redeemer. Brother Wright organized the new members with three previously baptized and three children into a church company. The majority had never been inside a Seventh-day Adventist church and they faced many challenges on this isolated island, not the least being the trenchant opposition to their new faith. Harold returned to Launceston with wonderful memories of his trip to King Island. After returning from King Island, Harold conducted a wedding on February 15 before travelling to Hobart for the Tasmanian camp meeting held at Glen Orkey, Hobart, February 18 to 28. At the camp, Harold was asked to relocate to Hobart. He was also to serve on the conference executive. Early in October 1937, Harold accompanied Pastor H. Moles, the conference president, on a weekend visit to Launceston. Three people were to be baptised, two of whom were uniting with the Launceston Church. The next weekend in Hobart, four people joined their Lord in baptism and united with the Hobart Church. On December 12, Harold gave the address at a baptism for ten people at the Hobart Church. Pastor Moles conducted the baptism. Nine of the candidates were from the Collinsville district, where Brother S. Utley had conducted a mission. It was Harold's 60th birthday. In January 1938, Harold read a report in the Australasian Record, written by Pastor James Lawson, which gladdened his heart. Two ladies who had heard Harold preach more than 30 years before in Victoria, but who did not respond to his appeals at the time, were baptised in Melbourne on December 4, 1937. The ladies expressed themselves as highly honoured to participate in the baptism. In February 1938, Harold and Pastor Moles conducted the funeral for Sister Clara Jane St. Legger, whom they baptised about a year before. 87-year-old Sister Legger first listened to the Adventist message more than 40 years before. She heard Sister White preach and had been much impressed. It took her almost to the end of her life before she made the decision to be baptised. The 1938 Tasmanian camp meeting was cancelled due to an outbreak of infantile paralysis or polio and only the Tasmanian conference session was held that year. It convened in the Hobart Town Hall, February 17 to 20. Harold was asked to accept responsibility for the churches along the northwest coast. Harold, Anne, Phyllis and Jack moved to Ulverstone. Harold planned a mission there and was to be assisted by Brother L.S. Barnes. To the east, at Bridport and Scottsdale, Brother George Burnside was labouring in an area where a company of believers was raised up by Harold's previous assistants, Brethren Dave Rennan and P.J. Wright. While in Ulverstone, Harold conducted a mission in Forth, which was a few miles to the southeast of Ulverstone. 
Each afternoon of the mission, Phyllis rode to Forth with Harold on their bicycles. They left the road and cycled over bush tracks and then walked their bicycles over a railway bridge to reach Forth, reversing the journey after the mission was over. Before crossing the railway bridge, Harold put his ear to the railway track to see if a train was coming. Their contingency plan was to stand where the fetlers stand if they should be surprised by a train. After a fright one day, Harold asked the lady to put out a white cloth when the train was imminent. The mission was held in a house. On the return journey, they had their bicycle lights to guide them home. Moonlight nights were great for visibility, but dark, cloudy or rainy evenings were something of a nightmare. Reaching the road, Harold and Phyllis called out to each other to keep over as car lights from in front or behind were more powerful than their bicycle lights. At home, Anne and Jack prayed for their safety. Later, in 1938, Brother Ellis Barnes moved further west to Irishtown to conduct a mission there. Harold continued his work in Ulverstone, and Brother George Burnside expanded his work from Bridport and Scottsdale to Derby. Brother Burnside spoke on radio from Derby each Sunday evening to an interested audience. As Pastor George Burnside, he was to become one of the two most successful Seventh-day Adventist evangelists in Australia. The other was Pastor J.W. Kent. The Australasian Union Conference Annual Council meetings in September 1938 resulted in a call for Harold to return to the South New South Wales Conference. At the subsequent South New South Wales camp meeting in October, Harold was asked to work with Pastor W. Morris and Brother F. Basham at Ashfield in Sydney. Harold and Anne looked forward to being closer to their adult children, but were sad to be leaving Tasmania, where so many places evoked rich memories. On December 10, the Bridport Scottsdale Church was organised after Brother George Burnside baptised 11 people. The baptism coincided with the worst storm in 50 years and was moved from the sea to a sheltered spot in the Brid River. Harold rejoiced in the establishment of another church in the north. It was a satisfying end to another year and a fitting way to finish his second period of ministry in Tasmania. <laughs>